0: Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor Ken Shot.
1: Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another interesting show for you like Gazette that colleague michael gavin makes his weekly appearance uh, at the track with mac a week five and we'll look back at a tragic day last saturday at, at the track uh, during whitney day um may believe mel broke down right before the finish line and the test stakes and had to be euthanized mike will talk about that and all the emotion uh, of that moment and uh, just how it affected the rest of the uh, day at saratoga And then after that, Union College Athletic Director Jim McLaughlin joins me to talk about the uh, name change for the uh, Dutchmen and Dutchwomen. They'll now be known as the Garnet Chargers. They'll talk about the uh, decision into that and uh, how it's been received. So uh, let's take a break, and Mike McGowan joins me next here on the Funny Shots Podcast Talk Horse Racing. The track is your premier source of horse racing news and events from the daily newspaper of saratoga race course the daily gazette at the track features racing tips feature stories picks by matt donato gene kirschner jeff carl and naira betts you will also get mike McAdams' takes on the races there are direct links to naira bets you can find at the track online at dailygazette.com category slash at the track it's time for the Daily Gazette's 2023 Best of the Best Contest. Nominate 25 businesses by August 20th, and you could win $500. Nominate today. To nominate your favorite businesses, go to dailygazette.com and click on the 2023 Best of the Best Contest banner.
2: Hi, this is Daily Gazette reporter Shenandoah Breer. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott.
1: Welcome back to the podcast, and it's our fifth installment of At the Track with Mac. is that uh, horse racing writer, Mike McAdam, joins us from the At the Track studio in uh, Saratoga Springs at the uh, horse racing facility there, and aptly named. We finally got the name for that, finally, right, Mike? <laughs> what, the, uh, the...
2: That's <laughs> the track the, studio. <laughs> The booth itself or the the pod segment? I don't know what we call this thing. It's, you know, they built it for the uh, Spanish-speaking track announcer, so it's is soundproof i guess as it gets so i guess there is certain facility to it but uh i I haven't come up with a name for it yet yeah Uh, by the end of the that's my assignment by the end of the
1: meeting yeah right now we'll call it at the track with max studio how's that sound
2: okay (laughs) it's it's kind of a mouthful but maybe we can slim it down
1: forget a sponsor even better
2: I'm sure that's not going to happen. Maybe Desperate <laughs> Annie's Bar or something. Yeah.
1: So, But well, let's begin with some somber news. Uh, yeah, Whitney Day is also always one of the top highlights of the Saratoga meet. Uh, but this year's edition is going to be etched in people's memory for what uh, went, went wrong uh, uh, after Maple Leaf Mel broke down at the finish line of the test in front of over 43,000 fans at a national TV audience. Uh, of course, horse owned by legendary NFL coach Bill Parcells best horse he's ever owned and had to, the horse had to be euthanized on the track and that brought a somber tone to the rest of the day uh you were there mike uh you wrote a column about it in monday's uh gazette and it's online at uh, dailygazette.com just set to see I me mean, how sad and tragic was this because maple leaf Mel seemed to be a very popular horse
2: she was very popular she was very good also uh, she was undefeated um, she was coming off two graded stakes wins and and was on the verge of giving bill Parcells the first the first uh, grade one of his career as a as a thoroughbred owner um, literally two steps from the wire from making that happen when her front right leg broke and she you know tumbled to the ground and jockey joel rosario hit the deck as well he wound up being okay philly actually got up and started walking you know kind of wandering around the track and you could tell um you you don't need a veterinary you know degree to figure out that this was not good and and wouldn't end well and it didn't um me personally, I was I was at my usual customary spot on the rail in the winter circle because you can get good video down the stretch. It was afterwards, um, uh, so you see the whole stretch drive uh, at ground level, and I saw it happen right in front of me. And your first, well, there is no first thought. There were a first like thousand thoughts because of all the circumstances. I I've seen horses break down before, um, and you never get used to it um but this one was so much more different and because of all the circumstances and all these storylines are like competing for attention in your head and uh you know meanwhile the crowd just gasped when they saw it and then the next thing you heard was nothing it was dead silent people were just in a hush because they knew the story of this horse it's bill parcells horse i mean you throw another and in there, the the trainer Melanie Giddings, um, Canadian. The horse was named after her. Um, she had stage four cancer the survivor. She had ovarian and uterine cancer a few years ago, like during COVID. And uh, um, so, you had that backstory element to it. Uh, There's just so many things swirling through your head when you witness this that um, it was hard to process. And so. You know, 43,000 people, live attendance, national TV audience, and, uh, you know, it's horrible to see that, but compounded by the fact that, you know, you had all these great storylines. And then I, you know, I kind of watched Bill's Parcells. He has a box seat up in the, you know, a couple rows back uh, and a little bit behind, uh, or, Ahead of the finish line. You just walked him, watched him kind of walk like a zombie down there. And he came down and hugged, uh, Melanie who was crying and inconsolable. There were people crying in the stands. Um, I did, when I went back to the winter circle f- for the Whitney, two races later, I ran into a friend of mine with his wife and, and two daughters who, um, drive out here from Buffalo, every year for a couple weekends and they were there for that and he was telling me he was kind of watching it at the finish line but his wife was up in the seats down in the grandstand with with the kids, I believe. And she said, I screamed when I saw it happen. And the guy next to me thought that I needed medical attention. He thought I was screaming because of something that was happening to me. And then he realized, no, it was just reaction to to the finish of the test. So there's a lot going on and all of it bad. And, um, you know, it really, you know, Whitney Day is a day—one of those days that you circle on your calendar. You look forward to it. The, the big race is always, you know, a, a show by itself, but the undercard is is also very good. You know, they they stack, you know, extra stakes on there. There were there were three other stakes on the day. Two of them graded. Um, and the test is always a good race because it's like the it's the biggest race for three year old fillies sprinting of the whole meet. It's a Grade One. Um, yeah, the Kentucky Oaks winner in there, pretty mischievous, who actually wound up winning the race by default. Maple um, uh, Leaf Mel was ahead by about two lengths just before the finish line. She's winning this thing. And, and you know, it was going to be a great story to tell. And, and in a heartbeat, it just flipped around to a, an entirely different story. Um, and, uh, you know, just really sad. It was just. Yeah, i feel bad for the fans. Feel bad for the horse. I mean, she's a wonderful animal. We were down there actually a few days before that, or the weekend before, and we actually got to pet her on the nose. And uh you know, the the bond between the trainer and the horse was just just like the stuff of a storybook. You know, she's there's video out there you can see of her getting in the stall and Maple Leaf Mel would <clears throat> she would take a nap like late morning right before lunch every day just you know get down on her side in the hay in the stall but Melly would get in there and just kind of lay down on the ground also and the horse would you know the filly would just lay her head on, <laughs> on her, go to sleep I mean, just, this was like great story and the filly is just so lovable and easy to attach yourself to and then just again in an instant it's all over
1: as you mentioned, you've seen horses break down before, and you've covered this for a long time. Yep. How do you keep your emotions in check and, and focus on the job at hand?
2: Um, you, you almost have to, like, consciously force yourself to do that. And, you know, I mean, the the Whitney post time, I think, was quarter to six, and we've got an 8 o'clock deadline for print stories these days. So, I mean, I'm, I, you just don't really have time to let that part of it enter the equation then again we're human we're not robots and you know at the time I, I was in shock I actually put my head down with my hand on my mouth and was just looking at the ground for a little while and then you just kind of gather yourself and and again there were so many things running through your head and and one of the first things was you know I have to see what's up with Parcells he's Here, So I basically turned my back on the track while they were putting up the screen and the ambulance was out there. And you're kind of like, you got to have eyes in the back of your head. So you're paying attention to what's going on so that you have the process set in your mind, but you also have to look for reaction and and how Bill Parcells, you know, ultimately, ultimately you're there to tell a story and you can't do that unless you gather as many elements as possible so we're just kind of hardwired that way um you know i've been coming up here since 1987 i think i said in the slack channel this is the worst experience of my professional life and i've been coming up here since 1987 and for all of the things i've already you know we've already talked about all just flooding into your head in in a and but you know it, you're so like programmed to uh to tell the story and to get all the elements that you need to put that story together that suddenly like you allow yourself you can't help it like i said we're not robots you allow yourself to be horrified for a couple seconds but then you kind it, it kind of just kicks in by default where you're just like okay i gotta go find see where, where parcells is i gotta watch what he does um i gotta pay attention to melanie she's crying non-stop um, Joel Rosario thankfully was you know, he wound up going to the hospital and had to get some stitches on his face. But other than that he you know, he's probably banged up a little bit, but he was fine. He got up pretty quickly. Um, so you're you're just kind of like being this universal 360-degree sponge and trying to soak in all these things that you're going to need to tell the story. And, um, you know, I wrote the column for a couple of reasons, not the least of which I already mentioned the deadline. I wasn't able to get everything in there on Whitney Day. So to, as a follow-up, I went over to the barn and this was like one of the beautiful moments that the one thing that sprang out of this horrible thing, this horrible uh, event, was pretty mischievous trainer Brendan Walsh who's actually stabled not far away from, um, you know, just a couple barns over from where Melanie Giddings' stalls are. The next morning, he walked over with the big blanket of flowers, it like the grade ones all have these, you know, their own kind of flower design where they make these blankets and they drape it over the horse's neck on the track so that they can have, an, you know, an added element to the winning fo- winner's circle photo. So, and then usually what happens is the blanket winds up on the horse's stall, you know, kind of railing in the doorway of their stall for however long the flowers last. And he picked up the blanket Sunday morning and just walked it over to, uh, Melanie Giddings' barn and just put it over and, and really I mean Mel maybe Mel won that race she just you know didn't quite get there and was clearly the best horse in the race so it was kind of a poignant gesture and very all class by Brendan Walsh to bring the blanket over there so it, you know Melanie didn't want to talk Sunday morning and and uh, you know, I said, "Do you mind if I take a photo of the blanket?" And the blanket photo was all over Twitter. I mean, everybody was over there to get that. Um, but that was kind of like the one, you know, bright little moment of um, you know humanity that came out of it. That this nice gesture by Brenda Walsh to bring the flowers over.
1: Well, let's take a quick break, Mike. We'll talk more about uh, what happened, uh, with, more on Whitney Day, and looking ahead to uh, sure. this coming week. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast.
2: Meet Andrew Waite, he's a dedicated journalist with a passion for research and a commitment to getting all sides of the story.
0: Whether it's a local issue or an upstate trend, I do the stories and interviews that shed light on what's important to you. Stay informed, read Andrew Waite in the Daily Gazette. It's my job to offer commentary about what's happening in our community
2: and what it means to our readers. The Gazette, reporting based on accuracy and integrity. It's who we are, it's what we do.
1: Want to get all the latest news from the Daily Gazette on your phone or tablet? We have an app for that. The Daily Gazette app allows you to read all the newspaper stories and columns from our dedicated team of journalists. The app is free. You can download the app from the Apple or Google App Stores.
2: Hi, this is Tri-City Valley Cap President Rick Murphy. You're listening to the Parting Shots
1: Podcast with Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ted Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. Our segment with uh, Mike Bearden at the track with Mac continues here on the Party Shots Podcast. Uh, speaking of the Whitney, um, a race that uh, had another great storyline with Cody's Wish, a fan favorite, but unfortunately there, uh, Cody uh, Wish finished third to White a- a bar- a barrio, if I'm that correctly, with a young yep. Cody Dorman, for whom Cody's Wish was named in attendance uh, with his family in Kentucky. So, uh, just a tough day all around at the Whitney on Saturday again at Saratoga.
2: The Whitney result was almost like piling on at that point because everybody w- was probably thinking, well, at least Cody's wish if he wins that Whitney we will get a, a wonderful heartwarming story line out of this miserable day. But that didn't happen either. And that's horse racing. He, you know, he got beat. Um, he, he had a kind of a rocky start. And, you know, they were worried about the mile and eighth distance anyway because he usually runs around a, a mile or a mile and 16th. He's more comfortable with that. You know Cody Dorman. I I wrote about him. <clears throat> He's a young man who's a wheelchair user, and um, you know through Make a Wish Foundation, they you know he visited this Porsche when he was six months old, and then they ultimately they named him after cody Dorman, so his whole family piled in the car and made like a three-day vacation drive out here from kentucky stop at niagara falls you know all these you know fun elements to it and then of course the horse gets beat because that could be the only logical outcome on this day Um, and compounding it even further was the fact that white abario is being trained by rick Dutrow jr who is not viewed highly by a lot of racing fans coming he just came off a 10-year suspension for a variety of things um he, he of course trained big brown who um was pulled up in the in the belmont stakes when he uh the year that he was trying to win the triple crown um dutch gets suspended for 10 years comes back in january um and then uh, he, he got this horse from Safi Joseph, um, I, don't know, I think it was in May. Uh, he's only had this horse for a few months. And boom, he come, jumps up and wins the Whitney and, and beats Cody's Wish in the process. So I'm sure there's a lot of Dutro haters out there that were like, well, sure, if Cody's Wish, you know, if we can't have that story, at least, um, you know, the bad guy of the sport is going to be the one that, that beats us, too. So you might as well throw that in there, too. <laughs> you know, just simply it, was, it, it for a lot of people, it probably felt like piling on.
1: 10 year suspension when I read that I was like my god that's a, that's a long suspension what what is it what was he doing during those this time away it,
2: that's a good question i mean he can't be licensed to train horses there's other jobs in the profession i mean I, I don't know to tell you the truth um you know he probably served as a bloodstock agent you know things like that there's other it, if, if you have expertise in this profession, there's other avenues that you can, you know, make a living off of it besides being at the barn at, you know, 5.30 every morning uh, training the horses. So I imagine, you know, I mean, it's the only thing this guy knows in his life. You know, you, he used to sleep in a stall back when he didn't have a penny to his name and, and reach the highest level of the sport. So I'm sure there was some demand for his expertise in some capacity. You know, maybe, I don't it's, I don't. I'm just throwing this out there, maybe as a bloodstock agent or something like that. But um, uh, I'm sure he found some way to, to make ends meet over the last 10 years.
1: Yeah. Well, the day before the Whitney on uh, that Friday, last Friday, the card was uh, affected by the weather, a lot of uh, rain and thunderstorms. The last, the last four races of the Friday card uh, were canceled. And I guess that handicapper, Gene Kirster, wrote about the number of uh, turf races that have been moved to the main track because of the weather. How much has the weather, well, all the rain, how much has that been a, a factor this year at Saratoga?
2: It's been a huge factor, especially in contrast to last year when they had one of the best weather meets of um, in the history of the place, and they've been running up here since 1863. Last year was just spectacularly good, and this year is pretty bad. Um, you mentioned Friday. Uh, and that was a product of the, the cancellation was a product of the forecast. Plus it just wouldn't stop raining. You know, there was some thunder in the area and, uh, um, I'll go you one better because on Sunday they took, they, they tried to run on the, uh, turf and the horse broke down in the fourth race and had to be euthanized, um, while running on the turf course, after which the jockeys, um, met with Naira and said, um, Maybe we shouldn't run on the on the grass courses for the rest of the day. So they took those the rest of those races off the turf and put them on the main track. Um, so, and coming into this week, I don't know if it, it's, it's still an issue. If you take into consideration, we were supposed to have a steeplechase in the first race. This is on Wednesday, and that got canceled on Monday. Um, Because after they, you know, they were going to spend two days evaluating the uh, turf courses. Uh, One thing they will do is they'll. There's a temporary rail that they use, um, so that the the temporary rail is like this plastic white rail that they can erect wherever they want in the middle of the course, so that they force the the races to be run on more fresh, uh, firm. Patches of ground that haven't been run over all meet, you know that they're not beat up, so they can kind of make that adjustment, and they're doing that today. Um, But they did cancel the Steeple the Wednesday Steeplechase race, and then kind of had to reschedule some of those Steeplechases that are later in the in the meet. So yeah, it's been it's been a um, real headache for Naira and for betters and racing fans. Um, I was trying to just trying to make my pick for the Thursday card, and I don't know, like I don't want to pick it anything out of any of the turf races because i don't know what the condition of it is even gonna be or if they'll you know move it off and the the reason i say that usually when i make my pick i'm picking the feature but the card on thursday is so terrible that they don't their uh, stakes race got canceled because they couldn't get enough Entries to fill it, so now it's just a bunch of claiming races, and and you know half of them are on the turf, and so I, I get to pick whichever race I want to make my pick out of, and I don't want any of them. <laughs> I sure, I really don't want any of the turf races it's just like an unknown right now of how soon it's going to recover uh, they're making adjustments like i mentioned with that temporary rail but it's you know that grass needs a little bit of a breather from uh, from all the rain we've been getting up here
1: yeah and the wednesday races uh and i announced on tuesday that, that all the turf races on wednesday were being moved to the main track so I mean, that's, a, that's another uh lost turf races
2: it it just won't stop <laughs> and we're supposed to get rain on Thursday as well so um, you have got to kind of like make make adjustments if you're handicapping and and take into account that even if they do get to run on the turf it's you know it might be on the softer side and you know check check your past performances to see which horses prefer softer ground as opposed to firm ground and you know it's, it's so it's just I, it's, Issue isn't going to go away until these courses get, you know, three, four days of dry weather to, to um, recover. Yeah. And who knows when that's going to be.
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, um, Thursday's card, no stake races. And this coming week is kind of on the light side, uh, rel- relatively speaking, for stakes action. The highlights are the four star Dave and the Saratoga special on Saturday. And then we can look forward to the Alabama the following weekend. So this is sort of like the, 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 the dull portion of the card.
2: This is like the eye of the hurricane, I guess. Um, the Saratoga Special is always interesting because that's the second leg of the um, the dirt races that are designated for two-year-olds. So you'll see, you know, some of the nice babies will be lined up in that race. Um, Four Star Dave is always a good race. And knock on wood, again, that the turf condition is okay because they run that for a mile over the turf. Okay. Um, it- As of Wednesday, the horses that were lined up for that include Casa Creed and Annapolis, which would be a, um, a, a rematch of the Kelso. On uh, opening weekend, which was a fun race. If you remember, Casa Creed was the horse that the owner um, told those two bettors, Hey, here's a hundred bucks each. Uh, you know, just bet, <laughs> stop handicapping now and just take this hundred dollars over the win- window and bet a hundred bucks on my horse, Casa Creed. And the horse beat Annapolis by a length. So we'll see what happens this time. But um, otherwise, it, it is a pretty light week. And then we kind of get into the Alabama uh, the following weekend. Yeah.
1: Well, away from the track, a Colt sold for $4 million at the Fasig-Tipton uh, Yearling auction on Tuesday night. The buyer was Zidane Racing. Best known for having campaign 2021 Kentucky Derby winner Medina Spirit, who was later disqualified for a drug positive. Uh, what, what do you know about the, the horse that was sold for $4 million?
2: Well, it was a beautiful chestnut Colt. Um, the sire was Curlin, two-time Hulk. Our two time course of the year who was a slam dunk hall of fame inductee. And then, uh, the mayor is beholder, another slam dunk hall hall of fame inductee. Um, so not only that, but I mean, if people are into pedigrees and I, I'm not no expert, but I know enough to, that I can go back a next generation, a previous generation and see the beholder is, is related to into mischief also who's, um, one of the uh the top sires in north america right now so the stallion side of this horse is ridiculously strong so um so i was there to watch this horse hip number 165 based on the curl and beholder uh component and uh sure enough the opening bid was five hundred thousand dollars so you knew that there was going to be some fireworks and it, it went up pretty quickly into the like the two million range and then once they got Closer to four million. um, They're going at smaller increments, and the crowd, you know, was getting antsy. They're like, come on, we want to see that four. We want to see that hammer at four. Meanwhile, the horse is acting like an idiot in the ring. He's rearing, and, you know, which you usually don't see in this the sales ring they're usually pretty calm but he reared like at least two or three times um so they're oohing and eyeing over that and then bang it you know the thing goes up to like three and a half million and there's more oohs and ahs and so there was a lot there was a lot going on in that sales ring and then they finally hammered it i mean at one point the auctioneer actually told the crowd to like keep it down because they they thought they didn't, hit that was adding to the horse's antics, they, you know, they didn't want that to happen. Um, so, uh, so then finally went to $4 million and, and uh, the horse will be trained by Bob Baffert as, um, Medina Spirit was, uh, Amir Mir Zidane, uh, the owner of, uh, Zidane Racing, um, was very pleased with his purchase. And, uh, um, I will say that that was the Tied for third highest price of a single yearling at the, in the history of the Fasig-Tipton uh, Saratoga sale, which is, this has been going on for over 100 years. Um, the topper was $4.6 million for a uh, northern dancer colt back in 1980. So, um, as far as like a single price for, for one individual, uh, that was uh, pretty close to the highest ever in, in over 100 years of this sale.
1: Must be nice to have $4 million in pocket change.
2: Well, you know, my sister and uh, um, my nephews came out last year, and and coincidentally the sale was going on. I said, um, you know, if you guys want to do this, it's free. You can just show up um, and just watch it. It's kind of interesting. It's a fascinating process. And I said, but uh, you know, if you, if you feel like you need to pick your nose, um, do it now, because uh, if you do it in there, you might be on the hook for like $200,000 horse. So, um, so watch what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. I, and, and in fact um, there were seven other seven digit, Purchases on Tuesday and then two on Monday. So a total of 10 um, uh, final sale price that went into uh, seven digits, uh, you know, led by this one, of course.
1: Of course, we talked about last Friday with the weather, and ironically, you know, we're, you know go, go way away from the track here. Last Friday at the uh, the Union College announced that uh, they were changing their nickname from Dutchman to Garnet Chargers. And then, of course, about the time the announcement came out, it was storming. So, uh, I mean, you covered Union College hockey for a few years. I mean, I've covered this program for a long time. I'm I, I'm having a problem with this nickname. I just I don't know why they needed to do that. What are your thoughts about it?
2: My first thought was um... – or it was supposed to be some sort of play on the Electric City, you know, the nickname for Schenectady. I don't know if that's the case. I doubt it, but that that was my first, like, kind of knee-jerk reaction. And then the other thing was, like, it, it just – it's two words that don't seem to fit together for me, and, like, I'm trying to picture out what a Garnet Charger even is. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of the logo either. And I don't know what – you know, these days people are – so brand conscious that they feel like they got to make moves like this but i i can't imagine it's going to sit very well with alums and maybe even kids that are current you know currently enrolled at the school i don't know um but we're we're stuck with it now and and uh uh you know we'll see what kind of reaction eventually there is but me personally i didn't like it it seemed like like two words that were disjointed didn't really fit together in any meaningful way. And, and so I don't know what the origin of the Charger theme was, but um, there's electricity. Yeah. <laughs> we I, know that well, I can based speak, on the logo. <laughs>
1: well, I can speak because uh, the Schenectady Youth Hockey Program is nicknamed the Charger. So I'm wondering if... Maybe, I, Hopefully, I'll get a chance to talk with uh, Jim McLaughlin later on this podcast okay. about the Union athletic director. But I also, I think there's uh, the reaction I've seen. It's been mostly negative o- online uh, when I posted the story uh, last week. But uh, the one thing that keeps sticking in my head, I have the li- lyrics to the Rolling Stones' "Emotional Rescue" uh, song. Uh, where Mick Jagger sings about I will be your knight in shining armor and I, You're not going to sing, are you? No, I'm not going to sing I, I'm, okay. I'm going to uh, fix the lyrics here a little bit um, okay. um, I, I will be your knight in shining armor riding across the de- desert on a fine garnet charger <laughs> Instead um, of Arab charger <laughs>
2: You're not helping me. No. I don't think you're helping anything. No. But I I see how you could kind of, like, you know, make that connection. But uh, I just and, – and you mentioned the youth hockey aspect to it. I mean, isn't it supposed to work in the other direction where the youth program kind of adopts the nickname of the, you know, the school team that they're aspiring to be? I don't know. I mean – Yeah,
1: there had been talk when, that, when my son team was involved with the program. There had been – Maybe some thoughts about why why aren't they called Dutchmen and all that stuff? And I but right. I guess they had been called Chargers prior to Union Hockey uh, becoming Division One or even even the Division Three days. Uh, okay. So I mean that's it was always been Chargers and that was the way it was. And um, so I, I I don't know. And I think I mean if you look at the logo though, a lot of people are comparing that logo to the Gatorade logo.
2: I didn't even think of that, but that's pretty good actually. Um, I wonder if they're going to get into any licensing trouble. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Um, I, you know, I, I understand the like the brand concept, and everybody's you know it's like such a big deal these days, but. You know come up with something that that isn't gonna like seem awkward and put people off is kind of the opposite of your intention isn't it um yeah. so so i don't know i mean uh we're stuck with it and we're headline writers so i guess we're gonna have to use it but
1: um i don't know i don't know how you fit guard charger charge that takes up probably a six column headline takes up probably about half the,
2: half the headline yeah right <laughs>
1: the G-Charge yeah so alright well Mike appreciate it you mentioned your thoughts of what happened last Saturday at the and the Whitney Stakes and all that fun stuff so um, hopefully uh, weather will be better up there we never know and uh, uh, we'll talk next week
2: alright thanks a lot for having me on Ken
1: we'll talk more about the Union College nickname change with Athletic Director Jim McLaughlin who's also an alum of the school you're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast Hey, Auto Racing fans. The Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest is back. Here's how to play. Pick the top five finishers in the weekly NASCAR race and get a chance to win a $50 ShopRite gift card. To play, go to dailygazette.com and click on the Auto Racing Contest banner. The Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest is run by the Advertising Department
2: and not affiliated with the Sports Department. Hi, this is Union College Football Coach John Poppy. You're listening to the Party Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott.
1: Welcome back to the podcast. Last Friday, Union College said farewell to the Dutchmen and Dutchwomen nicknames and welcomed its new nickname, the Garnet Chargers. To talk about the name change is Union College athletic director and 1993 Union College graduate Jim McLaughlin. Jim, uh, welcome to the podcast and uh, big changes in store for Union with the nickname.
0: Yeah, Ken, thanks for having me. Obviously, uh, this has been a really extensive process. Uh, great involvement from so many members of our community and alumni base as well, too. And uh, this has been almost a year now since we initiated this process and uh, we feel good about where we ended up.
1: So why the change and how was it decided that Garnet Charges would be the new nickname?
0: Yeah, so, you know, a number of reasons for exploring this. And I I think it started with we wanted to see if there was something that was better out there, something that was more representative of all at Union today. Uh, And, you know, for me personally, I I think there were a couple of things that, that really led this. First and foremost, we were an institution that had two separate nicknames and no other school immediately comes to mind that has two nicknames with the Dutchmen and the Dutch women, and, and secondly, Ken, it was it was a case that you know our our mascot Dutchy, uh, it, it was certainly underutilized because we didn't feel that it represented the college uh, well, and it's been shelved for the last more than ten years. And we wanted to identify a mascot that we could use for branding and marketing and uh, get people excited about Union at admissions events. Uh, homecoming, uh, and athletic events as well, too.
1: Now, you could not use the name Garnet alone because I believe Swarthmore has the copyright on that?
0: That, that, that's correct, Ken, you know, that, that was something that was uh, uh, really high in the recommendations from many individuals, uh, but given the, the trademark that was out there, we couldn't utilize that with Swarthmore.
1: I'll ask you this as, a, as an athletic director and administrator at the school and I'll ask you the question as an alum, what are your thoughts about the change, you know, you're, you know as far as being an athletic director and, and, and as an alum, what we, do you have the same thoughts?
0: Of course, I, I, I'm excited about the change. I I really like the new marks that we'll be able to utilize, and I, w- I want to be clear. Uh, you know, we, we love our block U, we love our circle 1795 logo, and we'll simply be adding the bolt U to those options uh, for our teams, for our merchandise, and for all of those different things. There, you know, I, I, I think we came up with the the best name that was out there, uh, ensuring that. We utilize Garnet, which has been something that has been associated with this college for more than 100 years and uh, really thinking about ties to the city of Schenectady in being the electric city. And I think the Garnet Chargers really represents who we want to be moving forward.
1: Yeah, I can also, I mean, youth hockey being named the Schenectady Chargers. And I, I think there was a time when I was involved with, with it when my son Steve was playing. There was even some talk maybe about going to the Dutchman. But uh, I mean, was this a coincidence that with the Chargers' uh, youth hockey that uh, the, the, uh, sc- the school name is also going to have Chargers in it?
0: purely coincidence you know can we we received uh outreach from more than 1100 individuals and thousands of recommendations that that came in and you know that there were four that really rose to the top really quickly that made our field the finalists and then as we went to explore that a little further it was very clear from the community the committee that garnet chargers was the right identity moving forward
1: what has the reaction been? Because, I mean, I, you know, when I posted the story last week on uh, some of our Facebook pages and uh, on the Union College Hockey Fans Facebook page. It seems like a lot of people are not happy with the change. Uh, what have you heard?
0: So it's, it's certainly been mixed, but we knew that going in. Ken, we we knew that any type of change uh, was going to have some opposition to it. Uh, we knew when we announced that we were exploring the possibility of a, nick, a new nickname, there there were some folks that were adamantly opposed to this, and there is certainly a, a group out there that uh, had an affinity for Dutchmen, Dutch women uh, that wanted to keep. That name, but there's also been many who have written in with support of where we're going, and you know I want to be clear that um, we're we're not turning our back on history or erasing any records or history or anything like that. We're we're just identifying a new identity moving forward.
1: Because I know, you know, there is always you know the, the reading is about the. The Dutchmen and the Native Americans, and about the place and the pines that you read before. Uh, was there any sensitivity with the name Dutchman Going back in history with uh, uh, 200 years ago, 250 years ago.
0: Well, let me let me say this, Ken. You know, interestingly enough, uh, it wasn't the college that picked nickname. name. It was it was. Probably a colleague of yours at one point that uh, many, many years ago uh, just added it as color to an athletic story in the newspaper and gave the moniker Dutchman, and it's something that, that sort of stuck. But uh, you know, this finally gave us the opportunity as a college to work together with a large committee, get input from, from many different constituents to come up with what we felt would be the right identification
1: moving forward yeah I mean I recall back uh, 30 years ago RPI tried to go engineers only with the hockey teams and Red Hawks with uh, the rest of the sports programs and that sort of uh, maybe lasted a year uh, about that as I remember they tried to do two nicknames at the same time but uh, uh, let me ask you I mean, as far as alumni donations with the name change do you think that's going to affect anything
0: To be determined, I I think that you know our our alums have an affinity for union for so many different reasons. Uh, They've been so supportive throughout the years, and you know, I I think I I know there are some that are disappointed by this, but um, they're always there for the good of the college, so time will tell.
1: Yeah, you you mentioned earlier about a reporter had created the nickname Dutchman. Garden Raiders, Charge is not going to fit in a headline. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be a challenge. Maybe we can get on the web that way, but in the print, I don't know. It's going to be. I could take up a, the entire headline, but uh, I digress. Oh, but Ken, uh, Ken, I'm glad we're giving you some work to do. that. Yeah, thank you. That's what I, mean, I like, that's what I need. Mean, As I like, turn sixty later this year. Uh, <laughs> uh, some people have noticed that the logo. Uh, with the the, the lightning bolt going through the U. Sort of similar to the Gatorade logo, which has a lightning bolt going through uh, the G. Uh, Has there any concern about copyright infringement? No, we,
0: we looked into that. We, we had a consultant working with us, and obviously that's something we looked into along with when we were looking into Garnet with Swarthmore. Uh, you know, to, to me, it's it's a lightning bolt inside of our U, and it, it represents Chargers uh, and inside the Garnet U, and I I thought the team did a great job of coming up with a, a unique and powerful logo.
1: Yeah. You mentioned earlier about the logo, you know, maybe you know, the field being be incorporated. I mean, I, I have, you, have they been able to incorporate that logo on the football field and, and the, uh, the the Messer Rink ice surface yet?
0: no and, and to be clear you know we, we, we're we certainly not abandoning what we think is an incredibly strong mark in our Block U and in our Circle 1795 logo so so this will just be an additional mark that, that we have to utilize I know some of our teams uh, have already started to order some gear and put the logo on them and uh, you'll see more and more of it roll out throughout the year but you'll, you'll continue to see the Block U, the Circle Seventeen ninety-five as well, okay. prominently displayed.
1: So there won't be any changes to the uniforms, especially for the football and uh, hockey teams.
0: Not at this point, you know. If you, look, we've we've had a pretty standard hockey uniform, and it's been the Circle Seventeen Ninety Five logo. You know that that's always coach's choice uh, as far as in consultation with the players i, I think it's been a really strong mark uh, i've always loved our uniforms here many of our other teams can you 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 know simply use the the block union word
1: marker across the chest and other things there so i, I think you'll still see a lot of that well anybody get fined if they say dutchman instead of guarded chargers <laughs>
0: Not even close.
1: <laughs> well, let me we mention the rink. Uh, you know, any updates on the proposed new facility in Mohawk Harbor?
0: So we we continue to have really positive conversations with our partners in Mohawk Harbor with the Gillespie Group, and uh, you know are are working through a, a complex deal and uh, making progress every day.
1: Now, does the shift of the aquarium that was you know, scheduled to be built at Mohawk Harbor is now going to go to uh, the Viaport uh, Via at uh, Rotterdam uh, Mall. Uh, has that maybe changed any dynamics or has, in the negotiations? Does that make things a little, maybe a little easier?
0: I I think it remains the same. I I know that uh, the folks out of Mohawk Harbor, the city of Schenectady, uh, Union College especially, have have wanted to see this project happen for so many reasons, for our programs here, for the city itself, and for how it's going to benefit many of our other programs with uh, the opportunities that we're going to have at Mesa Rink when our teams come out of there.
1: And finally, uh, you're looking for a new baseball coach to replace Paul Mound. How's that search going, and when do you expect to name uh, somebody?
0: Yeah, it's it's going really well. I've been thrilled with the the pool of candidates that uh, we've had. We uh, have our final on-campus interview tomorrow, and we'll be making a decision as early as next week.
1: Okay. Well, Jim, appreciate a few minutes, and uh, like I said, it's going to be something getting used to (laughs) me after I have covered this uh, college since 1991. And uh, it's like I said, it's, 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 I'm going to find myself trying to make sure I don't uh, say Dutchman and uh, make sure to say guarded charge. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, challenge. It's going to be a challenge, but we'll get through it. We're just trying to keep
0: you on your toes and keep you sharp.
1: Ken. Well, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm turning 60 in a couple <laughs> months, and he's got to got to make more work for me as I get older. So, <laughs> Jim, thank you very much and thanks for all you do. Take right. care. Hey, that's Jim McLaughlin. We'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winner in the Daily Auto Racing contest in just a moment.
2: If you really wanna know what's going on in your community,
1: you have to read the Daily Gazette.
2: We don't take a side. We're right down the middle
1: and we're gonna get to the truth. Our reporters and photographers are out in the field bringing you updates every minute with trust, accuracy, and integrity. From the first page to the last page, independent, probing journalism. We're finding out what's going on in the community where nobody else is covering. It's who we are. It's what we do. It's time for the Daily Gazette's 2023 Best of the Best Contest. Nominate 25 businesses by August 20th, and you could win $500. Nominate today. To nominate your favorite businesses, go to dailygazette.com and click on the 2023
0: Best of the Best Contest banner. Hi, this is Union Men's Hockey alum, Tyler Hines. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Schott
1: back to wrap up the podcast the week 23 winner in the daily gazette's auto racing contest was robert prisco of scotia with 55 points robert wins a 50 dollars Shoprite gift card congratulations robert the vip winner was jerry peel of frank and sons with 50 points i'll announce the auto racing contest winner's name and that winner's name will appear in friday's daily gazette to play Go to dailygazette.com and click on the auto racing contest banner. Just because COVID-19 mandates are easing, that does not mean you should relax. Be vigilant. If you have not gotten vaccinated or received a booster shot, please do so. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family. And do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots Podcast. I want to thank Mike McAdam and Jim McLaughlin for coming on the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at SHOT, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and threads at Slapshots. The views expressed in the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette Company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette Company. I'm Daily Gazette Sports Editor Ken Shot. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.